2: Sports Day for Kia, the Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year, and LUMO, Lumo SA, SA. Aussie-owned, made for South Australia.
1: Yes, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sports Day on this beautiful Thursday evening. Ben Hook joining me, join, or joining you, joining me is Chad Sayers, the 2010, 2011 Bradman medalist. What a highlight of that of your career that was, Chad. Welcome, nice to see you. Yeah, I did join another
3: illustrious. Raymond Mellis and yourself, hooky, so...
1: yeah, well, I mean, you can, you can fluke by winning one, but I won a couple, so uh, <laughs> a little bit more significant. Char time, the home of freshly brewed tea. Thirst tea at Char time? Explore our ready-made signature drink range inspired by Char time fan faves. Chad, great to have you uh, as part of the show. Um, I do want to sort of pick your brains about the Redbacks over the course of the uh, of over the course of the hour that we've got together. Eight double two three double double If you want to have your say, oh four three seven six. 693-060. Before we get to the Redbacks and all of the news going on in cricket, we'll talk about Tim Payne, we'll talk about Aaron Finch as well. I want to know what your sporting highlight for the week has been.
3: Yeah, that's a tough one. There's been a few of them there, but mm. um, oh, watching India play Pakistan at a 90,000 packed MCG, mate, uh-huh. was, and the way the game actually folded out. Unbelievable.
1: The most incredible thing I've seen. And and Virat Kohli, that knock, I thought that was beyond them. I was watching it solely just to see the way Pakistan celebrated beating the great rival and how India got out of that. That is just absolute genius to find a way through all of the fog of what what do they need? Uh, I think it was 56 runs from 24 balls. They needed 29 or 28 from eight balls. That is just an outrageous victory. So it's a very good one. But I just want to throw up my own suggestion. Everyone uh, who has followed sport has been aware of the challenges around Netball Australia and their on-again, off-again sponsorship with – Hancock prospecting over the course of the last couple of weeks. Gina Reinhardt was going to put in $15 million over four years. She pulled the money after all of the debate between Netball Australia and the players over the whether they should be dealing with a minor and, of course, Gina's father, Lang, and the, con, uh, the comments that he'd made about Indigenous athletes. Donnell Wallam made her debut for the Australian Diamonds last night. She is the Indigenous player that has been the centre of the storm. She came onto the court early in the last quarter as the goal shooter and this is how those last 10 seconds of that match played out.
2: Back to Australia, Weston she finds proud Wallum to win it for Australia Would you have written that if you tried Danelle Wallum
1: on debut so what an incredible moment that was. And look, you can be in whatever camp you like, whether you are pro the Australian Diamonds for standing up to Hancock prospecting or whether they should have been far more grateful for the 15 million that was going to be put in by Gina Reinhardt. But to live that out, and Chad, you've played elite sport, you've played test cricket, you've played so many games for South Australia, you must know what it's like when you are under the pump. She, there is no one who's been more under the pump before a debut in their life in world sport. And to finish like that is just remarkable, I think. Yeah, she
3: had a big couple of weeks, has not she, Hooky? And um, as she said, she just wanted to get the chance to get on the court. And what a moment to, to go on and get your hands on the ball. And as you said, under pressure on your debut and you You sink one to to win the game for Australia. That's unbelievable. Yeah,
1: so congratulations to Danelle Wallam. It is uh, just a remarkable story to cut through all of that noise and to be able to perform at the highest level when it matters the most is quite amazing. Tim Payne. It's a story that refuses to go away. Of course, he's penned a book called The Price Paid. It's been co-written by journalist for the Australian, Peter Lawlor, someone that I've got a lot of respect for. I've got a lot of respect for Tim Payne as well. Tim Payne was captain of the Australian cricket team when he was your captain. I want to just reflect on uh, your experience of working with Tim and what he has done for Australian cricket. Of course, it all ended in tears. He spoke with Channel 7 this morning, and this is what he had to say about his resignation.
3: Ideally, I mean, I wouldn't have resigned. But again, my thing now isn't so much around the resignation of the captaincy, it's more around how it was dealt with and how it was handled. We had obviously known about this for for three or four years at the time and had plans in place with Cricket Australia on how this would be handled if and when it does come out and unfortunately that was sort of flipped on its head the last minute, sort
1: of 12 months ago when it, it, it was going to become public, which was disappointing. So incredible story. I think the the one thing that I really took out of what he has said over the past couple of days, wasn't Nick Hockley or any senior official from Cricket Australia that was the one who spoke to him about standing down, they actually brought in a PR expert who's been involved in, uh, heavily involved in federal and state politics. Uh, Remarkable story. Uh, How do you reflect on that as someone who has played elite cricket and would like to think that if there's ever a situation like that you're confronted by, that at least you'd hear from the head honcho.
3: Pretty disappointing, isn't it? Hooking. That's the second, I guess, case that they've handled themselves poorly, isn't it? Um, the Justin Langer saga when he got sacked, and now and now Tim Payne. Yeah, you'd think as Australian captain you'd be able to sit down and have an honest conversation with the CEO and um, yeah, nut it out like that. But disappointing for Tim Payne. Everyone makes mistakes, and um, as you said, I was played under him in my in my debut game for Australia, and he took over at a hard time, and I saw nothing but great leadership from the bloke and. Um, as, as you said, much, most respect for him. So, um, disappointing on Crib Australia's behalf.
1: I mean, I know he's had some genuine mental challenges in the postscript to all of that. Have you had a, an opportunity to break bread with him, catch up with him, a message or anything like that?
3: I sent him a few text messages over the, the course of it, just to make sure he's going all right. Because as you said, he can get a bit of a dark time, um, when you do stuff up a little bit and the world's obviously watching it, has their opinions, so Um, but he's obviously got over that little bridge now and he's back playing for Tasmania and I watched that game um, commentating during the last week and he looked like he was enjoying himself
1: and, and a lot of bubble around the ground. You're hearing from Chad Sayers, of course, played a test match for Australia under Tim Payne, who was spoken out today uh, about his disappointment with the way he was uh, forced to stand down by Cricket Australia and the people that were involved. I think the other fascinating thing that's happened in cricket today, Chad, uh, is that Aaron Finch has spoke, and remarkably, uh, he's, he's going to fight. I mean, I actually spoke on this show last night, and I was very passionate that I think... Uh, they needed to stick with him, that a calm head in a crisis in the hurly-burly of a world T20 is really important. I just want to play for you what he has said today about um, staying as an opener for the Australian cricket team, and then I'll get your response.
4: We'll go through all the scenarios and and go through our our line-up to best tackle England. I think to be fair, they've had the wood on us over the last little while, so um, whatever we we need to do, I think we'll, we'll, as a Strategy group and coaching group will make sure that we put all our all our scenarios and all the options on the table to see what we come up with because there's so much um, so much at stake, obviously in a World Cup.
1: You are the cricket expert. You've played at the elite level. Would you stick with Tim? Uh, sorry, with Aaron Finch. I beg your pardon as the opening batsman for Australia.
3: It's obviously a massive game, hooky, isn't it? Um, coming up against England, as yep. you said, uh, the series just gone before the World Cup. They they had their wood on him, so. You want your best side playing, and if Aaron Fitch is not in that, then he shouldn't be playing. But they've obviously stuck with him for, for the World Cup. He's the captain. He's a great leader. Um, whether or not his batting is going to get him into a hole where they lose the game or not is a question.
1: I don't think you can carry a player like an Aaron Finch in a test match. You probably can't even do it in a 50 over game in a T20 match where it can be swung just on the brilliance of one or two players. Can you carry a guy like Aaron Finch knowing that he does provide a sense of calm, a sense of um, normalcy for want of a better word to the team?
3: Yeah, I think class is permanent, isn't it? Mm. As you said, in a 2020 game, you do need them glimpses of magic like we saw with Marcus Stornis the other day and, Aaron Finch kind of stuck with him didn't he and I think he's he's going to he's a class player it's going to come off in one of these games in the world cup and for australia it's probably better if it comes off at the back end and these other blokes are in form at the moment
1: I want to talk to you about the Redbacks, and we might get uh, an opportunity to talk more about them over the course of the show. They'll uh, they'll play on Monday. They're over against New South Wales. They're playing in Wollongong, of all places. You've been out of the system for a little while now. Do you feel like that you're far enough out of it to assess where they're at? And do you, in all honesty, think that they are on the right track? The performances, certainly at first-class level, a draw and a loss hasn't been ideal from two home games, but do you think that they are tracking in the right direction or is there still some work to do?
3: I think in those two games we've seen enough uh, to see that there is talent in that squad and they, they are capable of getting the job done. Um, they've got themselves in winning positions in every in both matches they've played um, against Victoria and against Tasmania. But the unfortunate thing now is just noticing them big moments in the game and really winning them. At the moment, the big moments they're losing. and uh, We saw against Tasmania they lost four wickets before lunch when mm. they were cruising. So... Um, recognising the big moments and, and winning those big moments are a big key for the roadbacks.
1: Hunt, Weatherald, Carter, uh, you know, heads at four. I imagine Nathan McSweeney's going to come in and play. Is that batting order good enough to win a Sheffield Shield or do we need more reinforcements than that in the top six?
3: It's definitely good enough. We've, we've seen Hunt and how good he's been. Weatherald has his glimpses. We'd like him to be um, averaging a bit more, I guess. Sure. A um, bit more consistency is the word I was looking for there. Hooky, um, he, he makes runs in periods and then he goes missing for a little bit. Head and carry, we need more of um, after these two games. We,
1: we may not see them for much longer because we've got a test series starting in what three weeks against, against the West Indies. Four weeks against the West Indies. So, uh, do, do we? Uh, I, that's my concern, quite frankly. My, I think our bowling is really strong. I love our bowling attack. I love that Jason Gillespie has said. You know what? If we're going to get 20 wickets, we've got to go with pace. And so he's brought in, what, nine fast bowlers in the squad. I think it's a really strong bowling squad. We've still got spin options if we absolutely need them, but a guy like Menenti or McSweeney are going to provide the spin support to what's going to be an all out pace attack. I'm still concerned about our batting, in particular, when, and Travis has had a poor couple of weeks, let's be fair. When your best player doesn't fire, it does make everyone else look a bit, uh, uh, just look like they're not going as well as they should. But that batting lineup looks brittle to me.
3: Yeah, I think when Hetty's firing, the confidence of the whole group, not only the batters, is is on a high as well. And he'd be disappointed with his start, hooky, as would Alex. Um, a couple of soft outs in both innings um, when you're supposed to be leading the side. They'd be very disappointed. As you said, the lower order and the bowlers are probably holding their batting lineup together at the moment. Menenti's come over and he's starred with a yeah. bat. Um, we obviously like to see him get more wickets, but um, him and Nathan McAndrew have been great with the bat. So. Um, when they go, hopefully Daniel Drew gets another crack, an extended crack, and um, Thomas Kelly's in great form as well.
1: Tom, uh, Daniel Drew's an interesting name that you throw up, and Daniel Drew is one of the few guys in and around that squad who have really cut their teeth in local cricket. There's talk about significant change to Premier cricket over the course of of the next season, really. Everyone's sort of fighting for a spot in what could be the new Division One. Are you comfortable with where Premier Cricket's at? And are you comfortable with the potential for change over the course of the next 12 months? And have your say as well. We'd love to hear from people out there who love their Premier Cricket and love their Redbacks. 822 or 0437-693060.
3: Yeah, I think <laughs> – the, sorry, the change of, of uh, two – Tier competition is coming in, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think the best clubs are going to play each other. Um,
1: Are you concerned for the lower clubs? I come from Adelaide that probably plays Division 2 next year. You come from Woodville that's been – it's had some good years, but it's had some tough years as well.
3: Yeah, I think maybe the structure that they're taking, I guess, the the two divisions on this year maybe can average out over the last 10 years that that clubs have played. Mm. That'll get a clearer indication of how good that club is, I guess, and – but as you say, it's um, if you're going to finish in the top eight this year, you're going to be happy with it. If you're in the bottom four or five, then you're not going to be happy with it. And I think there needs to be change because, as you've seen with the Redbacks, it, the success isn't there at the moment. And mm. I guess the local talent um, isn't as great as, I guess, in New South Wales and Victoria, mm. pending those numbers, of course.
1: But uh, when, there needs to be change, of course. Just one more very quickly. We do need to get to a break. Does it matter because – we don't really, Drew aside, Carey and header are uh, st- walk-up starters. We don't really pick guys out of Premier Cricket anyway. Yeah, well, that's another
3: point to your story, isn't it?
1: We want blokes who are performing for
3: our clubs and in second 11 to get a chance and then get an extended chance, not get spat out again.
1: 8223 double, if you want to have your say on South Australian cricket, Chad Sayers, Ben Hook, love to uh, hear your opinion. Big show tonight. We're going to be catching up with Nathan McAndrew from the Redbacks. You're a former fast bowler for the Redbacks. He's a current one. Looking forward to chatting to him. Todd Gray on the other side, of course, with all his grey hand tips, as he usually does on a Thursday night. We'll cross to the Playford International, where uh, the... Challenger Series, not a, not even a Challenger Series, but the ATP and WTA Tennis is going on. Emily Smith, the Tournament Director, will catch up with her. So much going on. I've got a massive golf story to share with you as well. So I'll share that on the other side of the break. The Kia Sportage has been crowned Drive Car of the Year. See it at kia.com.au. This is Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage
2: Drive Car of the Year and Lumo SA. SA. Aussie owned, made for South Australia.
1: Ben Hook and Chad Sayers with you. double 0000 is the week's open line. Discover exceptional customer service. Weeks homes discover different. Plenty of discussion on Premier Cricket. I'm going to break a big golf story very shortly. 0437 Before we get to all of that, it is our Greyhound Tips with Todd Gray. For expert Greyhound Racing Tips, follow at the Dogs SA on Twitter or Greyhound Racing SA on Facebook. Toddy Gray, welcome back, my man. How's things? Uh, not, not too bad. I'm, I'm still
5: happy to be getting a regular gig, considering how October's been. It can get in the bin, boys. I'm look, not looking forward to November.
1: Ever since I've come on this show, you have just backed loser after loser after loser. But I'm very confident you're going to turn it around tonight. Tell me your best.
5: No worries. Very kind of you to try to shirk some of the blame. I mean, it's all on me, <laughs> lads. But we've got to break the hoodoo tonight. Um, Look, the first best bet I've got tonight, it's only worth something small, and I'll explain why later, but race two, number one, Victor Speed. Look, he's only about yours for theirs on the fixed odds. I think actually a bit less now. I think he's about $1.90, so no no rewards for bravery. But look, he's an eight-start maiden. Every single week he leads, every single week he gets run down, but tonight I honestly think is the night he gets away with this race. He will lead. There is no doubt about it. Or um, well, you'd feel sick if he didn't, and I wouldn't be tipping him otherwise. But he's going to be an absolute furlong in front going down the back. He's got to tippy-toe to last 50 metres, something shocking, but I think he'll be that far in front. It won't matter for mine. He really deserves to win, win a race soon, and crack his maiden. And honestly, tonight, no disrespect to the other dogs, I think this is the best chance he gets. Race two, number one, Victor Speed.
3: Now, uh, Todd, yeah, I love getting down to Angle Park and having a little punt. What's your next best, mate, after Victor Speed yep. wins?
5: easy well this is why we're going a bit small on the speed because race seven i think the price assessors have got this race all wrong they've got the one and the two your um your favorites in this race and i don't think they should be first second or even third favorites of mine one of those two will lead out of one and two one will lead and they will really struggle more than the dog i just said before to run out the 500 and whichever one doesn't lead has about as much chance as i do at my local and ladies night absolutely (laughs) none lads um The two two mistakes here for mine, which I think should be your first and second favorite. Race seven, number four, Spring Ignite at around about four bucks. He should be your favorite. And I think he will be your favorite by the time they get the race time. He's the main play. And the other dog I want to make a small profit on if it wins. If Spring Ignite number four wins, I want to make a decent cop. But if the six, Yarramundi Turbo wins, I want to at least make just a small profit. He's around about seven dollars. Both of these are going to camp off the speed. One and two will go like a shower of you-know-what early, <laughs> and we're going to camp off them, and, we'll, and they'll get that tied. I'm very confident. If we can sit within four or five lengths of them going down the back, we will run over the top and every chance to run to Quinella. So race seven, number four, Spring Ignite, the main play, and just a little save on the six, Yarmundi Perbo at odds.
1: Tony Gray, let's just confirm those. Your best is race two, number one, Victor Speed, and your next best is a bit of a spread bet in race seven, number four, Spring Ignite and just throw a couple of extra shekels on Yarra Mundi Turbo. Todd, always enjoy your company. I'm looking forward to seeing my bank balance finally uh, be restored with a couple of uh, wins from you tonight. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your company. Too easy. Cheers, legend. Uh, that's Todd Gray there from Greyhound Racing SA. No one runs the dogs like South Australia. Hey, can I share with you a little bit of a golf story that I've uh, stumbled across? Uh, not stumbled across, but uh, been working the phone, mm-hmm. speaking to a couple of people around town. Um Most people would well be aware out there that Live Golf is possibly coming to Adelaide in April. They've identified the Grange Golf Club as the place to play from the 21st to the 23rd of April. Uh, Everyone knows about that. It's a $35 million tournament uh, headed up by Greg Norman's Live Golf Management. I can reveal tonight it is one of maybe a couple of events, professional golf, that are in front of the South Australian government Major events branch right now. The Asian Tour, ironically, it's forty percent owned by the same backers of Live Golf, which is the Saudi Arabian government's public investment fund, want to bring an international series tournament to Adelaide next year. They've already hosted four of these events in 2022. There are two more to come in Morocco and Egypt. Now, despite the relationship with the two, they're 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 not competing bits, but at the same time, they're not united in putting a bid together of Live and International Series. This is really interesting, though. The International Series events, they're, they're actually good money tournaments. They're $1.5 million US. It's a lot more money than the Australian Open in four, uh, four, five, six weeks' time. And they have a few things that Liv don't actually offer right now. They'll have slots for multiple Australian players. They'll play, they've will play. got 120-player field in all of these events. Liv only has 48. There'll be 15 to 25 Australians playing in an International Series event. There's only four Australians playing in Liv. I don't want huge funding is my understanding of what the government's been asked here um, for the international series event. I believe lives after about 6 million taxpayer dollars um, and, And then a number of Live players are going to play anyway because they need rankings points. And this is one of the few events that they can get into where they can get good rankings points and they're not barred from because they're barred from the PGA Tour at the moment. And next year, they could be barred from the DP World Tour as well. Here's the other interesting thing. They've got a TV deal. All of their TV coverage goes right through Asia. Live Golf at the moment is only on YouTube. And if it's stuck on YouTube next year, it, it really does lose its value as a product. So uh, that's going to be interesting for the government. Do they want to go with, or could they go with both? I mean, could you actually unite both? But Live Golf wants to go in April during footy season. My understanding his international series wants to go October. Outside of football season, in an era like now, where there's area like now, where there's a bit less sport on, so uh, I'm going to be fascinated to watch how that plays out over the coming weeks. I think we'll hear from Live Golf in the next three weeks. It's a three month bump in to do your work at Grange to get everything set up. So they're almost on the cusp now of having to announce their 2023 schedule. And it's going to be fascinating to see how the Asian Tour and the International Series, if they can set up in South Australia as well. So we've had no professional men's golf here for many, many years. And uh, now here we are, uh, possibly going to have two events very shortly. Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer. Their buying power puts the power in your lane. 822 300 if you want to have your say. Don't go away. You're listening to Sports Day.
2: Sports Day. For Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year, and Lumo SA. SA. Aussie-owned, made for South Australia.
1: Chad Sayers and Ben Hook with you. We've been talking cricket. We've been talking golf. We've been talking netball. Time to talk tennis, and we're doing it thanks to Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent tire retailer. Their buying power puts the power in your lane. The Playford International has been going on up there at Elizabeth Chad. Fantastic tournament. Gee, they've done it tough with the rain. Their tournament director is Emily Smith. She joins us now. Emily, welcome to Sports Day.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me on,
1: guys. Uh, you must have finally been pleased to see a bit of uh, blue sky out there this afternoon.
0: Absolutely. It's a beautiful afternoon out here and we needed it. We've had a massive day of tennis and we've got our last match that's about to go on court at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, it's been really good to get some tennis happening. We had a small rain delay in the middle of the day, but luckily, windy enough, the courts dried quickly and um, it was all
1: go again let's talk about the women's draw first of all i'm just having a look through the round of 16 and it looks like pretty much all of your seeds have got through so uh, priscilla hon at the top of course the number one seed she had a pretty comfortable uh, straight sets victory so i guess that whoever does the seedings must be pretty pleased with um, their their uh, assessments yeah
0: absolutely absolutely it's worked out quite well on the women's side with all of the seeds and that just um really makes up for a cracker day tomorrow. So as you mentioned, Priscilla Hunt, she'll take on Lizette Cabrera tomorrow. Um, and then, yeah, obviously Madison Inglis, Olivia Gadecki as well. So some really strong Aussies that have uh, made it through, which is awesome to see, but also a couple of internationals still very much in contention as well.
3: And Emily say is here. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. How are you?
3: Good, thanks. It's good to see um, some of the big Aussies, I guess, in the tournament get through as well. And Jordan Thompson, James Duckworth.
0: Definitely, yeah. Our number one and two Cs. Um, they've had a really great tournament so far. Um, James Duckworth, obviously, is our defending champion here as well. He won the, the last event that we had in 2019. So it's really good to see him back and doing well. Um, and yeah, both of them, sorry, Jordan will play um, Rio Noguchi tomorrow, the Japanese player, and James will play um, Rinki, Jakarta, our number five seed. So um, again, on the men's side, it'll be another crappy day of matches for sure.
1: Not great news for South Australians. Lee Too bowed out, I think, on Tuesday, uh, as did Alex Bolton. Luke Savile's gone down today.
0: Yeah, it'd been a tough day for the South Aussies today on both sides of the draw, Um Uh, Petra Hule um, one of the girls is still in contention in the doubles she's on court um, in the last match at the moment so uh, really hoping that she does well to get through and um, she'll hopefully be flying the South Aussie flag in the doubles um, on the weekend but that, yeah pending today's result
1: Just noticed something interesting in the scores from today Cabrera the number 7 seed who you said will play Priscilla Hon she looks like she's played her first round match and her round of 16 match both today is that right?
0: Yeah, her, um, her first round match was uh, sort of incomplete following yesterday. Obviously, the rain last night, um, unfortunately, we made the tough decision to suspend play at about 6, 6.30. We just didn't think the courts were going to dry up. So her match was um, incomplete at the end of yesterday. So she had to come back today and finish, finish a match um, and then play again for her second round match. So a few of the girls have had a really big day today as well, especially the ones that have had to um, back it up and play double. So I'm sure they're looking forward to a well-deserved rest.
3: I know when there's a cricket uh, rain break or washout, the cricketers... uh, Celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) They go to the pub or something. What do the tennis players get up to?
0: Uh, No, it's been pretty quiet. um, Certainly last night there was a a mass exodus from the tennis centre. They were all straight back on the bus um, as soon as we made the announcement, really, but... Um, no, for more reports, everyone's been behaving, so that's um, really good. And, yeah, they're all um, taking it pretty seriously. It's obviously really good to have the Challenger Tour back in Australia and here in South Australia in particular, so... Um, yeah, they've all been looking after themselves and there's um, certainly the massage therapists and the physios out here have been getting plenty of work as well with the amount of matches they've had to play in such a short space of time.
1: I imagine there's uh, plenty of tennis still ahead of us tomorrow and, of course, over the weekend. Just very quickly, Emily, tell us uh, where to find this and how if uh, you've got some interested spectators who want to see some really good quality tennis up close, how they get there, how they get in.
0: Absolutely. So um, the event's being held at the Playford Tennis Centre in Elizabeth East. Um, it's free, free for spectators every day, uh, tomorrow we'll be starting matches at 11am, tomorrow we've actually got a twilight session on um, with matches from 4.30, we've got a really amazing kids zone happening, there'll be some food and a bar available, um, so we're really encouraging people to come down after work tomorrow night and watch um, some of our twilight matches that we've got on um, Saturday we're looking at our single semi-finals and doubles finals and then um, all going to plan, and the rain holding off. We'll have our singles finals on Sunday. Hopefully, out here at the Place of Tennis Centre.
1: Emily, I can't let you go without asking about your golf game. You're multi-talented. <laughs> you are not only a great <laughs> tournament director, you're also the current captain of the Pennant Team of the Year for Golf South Australia. How's the form?
0: Uh, yeah, I haven't been playing much lately. Work's been taking up most of my time, but yes, you now I do love getting out on the golf course and. Um, Still enjoying it and playing whenever I can. So, now it's all going well.
1: Just to make us really jealous, can you tell Chad and myself what your current handicap is, please? <laughs> um, my
0: current
1: handicap is 1.4. Oh, <laughs> even <laughs> Sam Fantasia, our producer, has screwed his nose up outside the <laughs> studio booth here. So, uh, <laughs> hey, Emily, thanks so much for your company. Uh, appreciate you giving us uh, all of the latest on the Playford International. Good luck for the weekend.
0: No worries. Thanks, Ben. Thanks,
1: Chad. Emily Smith there. Uh, yeah, I know her through her golf. Um, she was named captain of the, um, yeah, the, the Golf SA Pennant Team of the Year this year. She plays uh, for Grange. I think she might have moved to Melbourne this year, but um, 1.4, Chad. Where are you, mate? What's your handicap?
3: Well, I haven't played very much often. No excuses, just sit, a number. Sitting at about 16 at the moment. Oh,
1: okay. So shot a hole. Anything inside a shot a hole is not too bad. Where do you play? Nah, no, no,
3: no, <laughs> no membership, membership. Just uh, the kids, it's pretty hard to get out at the moment
1: <laughs> playing cricket on a Sunday. Just five off. You can rely on your local Repco, Repco Authorised Service Centre. For expert car service, book online at repcoservice.com.au.
2: Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year, and Luno SA, Aussie-owned, made for South Australia. Welcome
1: back to Sports Day with Chad Sayers and Ben Hook. The week's open line is double Discover exceptional customer service, week's homes, discover different. Anything you want to talk about with Chad Sayers, cricket, footy, you name it, you can text in 0437 693060. The Redbacks back in action in just a couple of days' time. Uh, they're playing New South Wales over there in New South Wales on Monday. Nathan McAndrew about to join us. Thanks to Toolkit Depot, your, pray, your trade pro partner, Toolkit Depot. The Toolkit Depot shop the huge range of tools, equipment, safety gear and workwear. Nathan McAndrew, the fast bowler. Well, the, the bowling all-rounder, I'm going to call him, for the South Australian Redbacks joins us now. Nathan, welcome to Sports Day. Thanks for having me. Nathan, this is a bit of a, a return homecoming for you. I noticed that the Redbacks are playing at North Dalton Park in Wollongong, your hometown. So this is very much a homecoming for you. Yeah, it
4: is. Well, I'm, um, I'm from Shell Harbour, which is about half an hour south. But, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bloody close. So, um, now looking forward to, to getting back home for a little bit. Um, hopefully get to see the family. Um, for dinner a couple of times maybe after after play. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting home for a little bit.
1: North Dalton Park, is it befitting of first-class cricket or is it a bit of a goat track down there?
4: Uh, it's a bit of a road, unfortunately, but it's, it's in pretty good condition. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a pretty flat wicket usually. Uh, Wollongong's been underwater with quite a lot of rain over the last <laughs> few weeks, so it might at least have a little bit of moisture in it. Um, it hasn't rained for the last few days, though, so... Uh, we shouldn't shouldn't have any issues with getting the pitch dried up. It's it's about 150 metres from the beach, so it's on sand, so it'll drain really well. So uh, should be able to get all four days of cricket in. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good facility, big big AFL ground. So butters got to they might have to run them a bit, but it's usually a pretty true consistent wicket for the batters.
3: Nath Chatty Sayers here. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Chatty. How are you, mate? Very well. Where do you feel the Redbacks are at, mate? After two rounds of Shield cricket, um, I've been watching a bit obviously getting ourselves into winning positions, but then uh, finding ourselves out of them pretty quickly.
4: Yeah, I think a bit of a frustrating start um, to the season, just, you know, in the shield. I think the White Ball squad's tracking pretty well, but, yeah, as you said, obviously, you know, probably had a really good chance uh, early on day one against Victoria, the first game, to really push home an advantage, and and we didn't quite manage that with the ball and um, sort of, you know, end up on the back foot having to save a draw in that game and then, yeah, also in a pretty good position um, coming into the day three against Tassie uh, last week at Adelaide Oval, and you know um, fumbled it a bit in the morning, got to say, and found ourselves behind the game pretty quickly. And yeah, it was a bit disappointing to to lose that one. So certainly not an ideal start. Um, we definitely felt both of those games were winnable, and and to you know come out with a good draw against Victoria was was you know a reasonable result. But yeah, pretty disappointed to. To lose last week against Tassie um, in, in a game where we were in a pretty good position to potentially drive home a win.
3: And before we get onto the one-day uh, cricket, I like the look of Jordan Buckingham. Tell us a bit about him. What he brings to the Red Base Group?
4: Yeah, he's uh, he's a potential star. I think he's. You know, I've, I keep forgetting how young he really is. But he's. You know, he's a competitor that sort of he competes above his age. Um, I, I look back at myself as a. 22 23 year old player and and i certainly wasn't at, at that level but just the confidence he's got in his own ability at that age is, is incredible and you, you can't teach that um he's got tremendous skills he's got great attributes as a bowler but that competitiveness that he brings is, is something that's going to hold him in, in really good stead and you know he's looked right at home uh with a new ball for the for the back so i think uh You know, losing um, a lot of senior bowlers like yourself and Frankie Wall and guys like that over the past, obviously, have left a bit of a hole. And, you know, I think Bucky's going to hopefully make that that role his own for, you know, many, many years to come.
1: Nathan, I was just trying to look through the scores over the past uh, two games. The one obvious factor is that we just haven't been able to get away at the top of the order. Our four scores in our four innings, four for 59, four for 55, we were four for 73 after three for 30. And four for 128. None of those scores are going to get us up beyond 350, 400 unless uh, a bloke comes in at number seven and bashes 150. What, what's the challenge there? Is it just talent? Is it mindset? Are we having a bit of bad luck? Because it's not going to get any easy either. I mean, Travis Head and Alex Carey are going to be out of the side with the test series in a couple of weeks.
4: Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, yeah, obviously, you know, judging by those figures, it's it's fair to say that the top four you know, probably haven't fired as as well as they would have liked, but um, yeah, I mean, we're stacked stacked full of talent up the top there. Henry Hunt, Jack Weatherall, Travis Head, Alex Carey, are, are four of four of the best top four going around. So, um, no, I think you know there was a bit of bit of um, bit of moisture in it day one, Adelaide Oval. It's always sometimes a bit tough for the top order to get going, um, but day three was probably you know really tough conditions as well. At, at, it rained overnight and it was a bit of moisture in the surface at Adelaide Oval which we know it can can nip around and then they have to go out there against Jackson Bird and Pete Siddle who are probably two of the best (laughs) seen bowlers in the country so I think um, there's a lot more to it than just looking at those stats and I know for a fact those guys are working really hard and they're incredible players as well so um, yeah, I've got no doubt that they're going to turn it around and as I said it's usually a pretty good batting surface uh, at North Dalton Oval so hopefully um, the boys can go down there and put up a good good show against New South Wales and
1: you know get us off to a good start, get up to that sort of 350, 400 target in the first innings. You said Bird and Siddle, two of the best-seen bowlers in Australia. That's uh, since the man on my right uh, in the studio here, Chad Sayers, uh, retired over the last uh, couple of years. Hey, I'm just interested in, I guess, the evolution of first-class cricket. Uh, Lloyd Pope was a regular in this side last year and he found it really difficult on small grounds like Karen Rolton-Oval And wickets that just don't seem to deteriorate and spin over the course of days three and four. And certainly Jason Gillespie has brought in a lot of pace bowling options into the squad this year. Is it a different way to play, in particular with drop in wickets now, Nathan, that we're seeing you've got to try and nip sides out early on day one? Because wickets really only get better over the course of four days rather than worse.
4: Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, Karen Rolton's not a drop-in, but it doesn't really deteriorate Adelaide Oval as we see now. The first two innings are a tough work, and then it flattens right out. So, you know, it's almost getting to the point where teams are starting to bowl and and chase. um, Because that's by far, at the moment, if you're able to to not fall too far ahead in the game, obviously, but if you're able to keep the game close and, and set it up on day four, it's easier to score 300 on day four these days than it is to take 10 wickets. So um yeah i think the game obviously evolves and i I think if if you used to set a team 300 on day four um you know 10 years ago that probably no one even thought that was chaseable but the wickets used to spin a bit more and i think with t20 cricket and and white ball cricket evolving over the last few years that it has i think you know teams are just so comfortable chasing on day four and, and obviously the surfaces are allowing that as well so i mean i think everyone's just a product of the environment that we're placed in at the end of the day and if wickets aren't going to break up, it's getting to the point where teams are looking to bowl first just so that they can, you know, just keep in, in the game and, and just try and stay in it and then chase on day four. But, um, you know, it's the same thing in Adelaide Oval. We know the first two days are going to be the tougher tougher ones to do. It'll, it'll nip around early. It'll be tough to score down the ground. Um, and then it will flatten out and it will get, get a lot easier to bat. So... I think it, it varies from place to place around the country, um, but yeah, there's not too many surfaces at the moment that are really breaking up and bringing spin into the equation.
3: On the back of that, Nate, do you think our bowling lineup is, I guess, too similar? You got the likes of yourself, Jordan Buckingham, um, Harry Conway, David Grant. Is it too similar on flat wickets?
4: Um, I, I don't think so. I think I think the one thing that we have in similarity is airspeed, to be honest, which I think is a real strength. I think we've got probably. Some of the best all-round airspeed uh, in attacks around the country. Really, you know, other teams have got some guys that have certainly got some speeds. As we look at Lance Morris over in WA, Liam Hatcher, is sort of a specialist um, coming in on flat ones and bowling bowling bouncer spells. But I think if you look at our four quicks ac- across the board, with Brendan Doggett coming back into the into the picture this week, we've got you know three to four guys who've got some real airspeed, which I think on flat wickets gives you the opportunity to crack the game open. So I think that's a huge huge benefit in one sense. Um but the same thing, yeah, there's there's not too many swing bowlers um, floating around. I think Harry Conway's you know, a bit more unique with the with the new ball can swing it up front. But, you know, playing at Karen Roll and playing at Adelaide Oval, it's not really a swing friendly conditions kind of thing. So um, to have three or four swing bowlers in our attack wouldn't really suit the conditions that we play in um, for more than half the games of the season. So I think we've got a pretty pretty well suited attack for the home conditions that we're going to face, and, and hopefully we're able to c- continue to put some better performances on the line back in Adelaide when we get back after this long break away.
3: And looking uh, forward to um, Wollongong, I'm hearing Doggett and, and Drew are in. Is that correct?
4: Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I, I believe Doggy's back fit for sure. He, um, he played the second 11 game last, uh, last week and, and got overs into his belt, so you'd have to imagine. You know, he comes back in. He's, he was leader of our attack last year. So if he's fit, he'll be he'll be back. And, um, yeah, I think Drew, has uh, been certainly knocking on the door. So i have to have to wait and see if he gets a nod or not.
1: Nathan, just to wrap things up, a little bit of uh, off-field news from you, please. My understanding is you've been studying a civil engineering degree since 2012. Two things there. One, fastball is not normally renowned for doing uh, any sort of tertiary study. Number two... <laughs> 2012 you started this thing. Have you finished it yet?
4: Um, yeah, no, it's still ongoing. I actually, <laughs> uh, last month, was just had to uh, apply because it was a 10-year ten uh, year course, so I had to uh, get an extension on that. But uh, <laughs> they, were, they were more than understanding. I haven't at least just been, you know, bumming around and, and not doing anything in my spare time. But, uh, yeah, I started doing civil engineering um, out of school. Cricket never really, for me, was... I didn't think I'd ever really get to this level or, or get to a chance where it was going to be... a a full-time thing so i you know i started doing uni full-time and then um over the years cricket started to you know maybe be a chance so i started going more and more part-time started doing less and less subjects and i haven't done any over the last three years i've just been focusing on cricket now that i finally got a chance to, to play at this level so looking to get back into it i've only got five subjects left um so i'll get get it done at some point but i'm, I'm in no rush I'd, I'd much prefer to be doing this for as long as i can and And, uh, yeah, engineering can wait till a later date, that's for sure.
3: It is pretty hard to study on the golf course, Nathan, isn't it? (laughs) Well, when you're hitting them 350, dead
4: center, Um, was There might have been a bit of wind helping that one. But, um, no, I reckon I was career best today.
1: Uh, Nathan, thanks so much for your time. Go well over there in Wollongong against New South Wales next week. Pack a couple of extra loads of washing, hand that on to Mum. She'll uh, she'll sort all of those jobs out. Go very well over there. Back on your home deck. And uh, thanks for your time on Sports Day. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Nathan McAndrew there, the all-rounder for the Redbacks. I call him an all-rounder. I rate his batting. I reckon he can really be uh, influential in that uh, middle order, batting with the tail. Lumo Energy SA, 100% Australian-owned, with energy plans and great local rewards made for South Australia. That wraps us up for your debut night here, Chad.
3: Yeah, I really enjoyed that hooky. It's good to um, ask the questions rather than get... um Get confronted with them.
1: that was great. Uh, Well, look, I mean, we discussed it early in the show, but I I really think the Redbacks uh, do have a future. I know Jason Gillespie, look, he's in his third year now. We've discussed it all before, but um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the way they play over there in Wollongong beginning on Monday. Chad, that wraps us up. We will see you tomorrow night. We'll be chatting to all of you tomorrow night. Thanks for your company this evening on Sports Day.
2: Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year. And Lumo SA, Aussie-owned, made for South Australia.
5: Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply, so visit tyrepower.com.au or call 132191.